step into our confessional. Confess all. We won't tell anyone. Just the entire nation. From Greatest Hits Radio, Simon Mayo's Confessions. Hello, thank you for downloading us again. Welcome into the sanctuary of the Confessions podcast, the place where no one is judging you for being judgy. Well, we might just a little bit. Uh, Sister Holly is present and looking very stern and appropriately fierce. Absolutely. Brother Matt is present and looking like he... Go on, where's this going? He has the morals of a sewer rat. Correct, yeah. morals of a sewer rat. Yeah, yeah, proud of that. And thank you again for all the excellent five-star reviews. Um, we'll ignore mm-hmm. the rest. In a small act of self-congratulation, we'll probably take a peek at some of them a little bit later on because they're pinned flamboyantly yeah. on the parish notice board. Uh, more of your confessions that producer Holly has deemed not suitable for broadcast, which is overwhelmingly most of them. Mm-hmm. Another classic from the crypt in which Trisha finds herself in sitcom territory at the crematorium. And of course, all the confessions from the Drive Time show on Greatest Hits Radio, including uh, Carl's ski trip tale, It's a Sin. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sin. Classic. 12 inch <laughs> yeah. mix. Yeah. Nice and Sleazy Does It from Fergus, which features one of the culinary world's forgotten greats, the Chocolate Angel Delight, which was great, but not quite as good as the Butterscotch. Correct answer, yes, Butterscotch. I've never had it, really. No, because you are (laughs) six years old. (laughs) Angel Delight, it was powder and milk. It was, very Mm. simple. Yeah, 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 whisk it together. Whisk it together, allow it it to set, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then maybe put a little bit of stewed apple underneath. Stewed apple? Yes, with the butterscotch. Ooh, no. Uh, Nigel doesn't come up with anything this good. (laughs) Stewed apple apple and butterscotch angel delight. Stewing their apples. What was that in a tin? It's my tip of the week. The fruit ruins it. No, I think it'd be great. (laughs) Also, uh, we have Thursday's confession, which is called Straight Down the Middle. First up, Smudge's star-studded confession. You can't always get what you want. Simon Mayo's confessions. We won't tell anyone. What? Oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, we will tell everyone. Hello, Simon and the team of forgivers. Due to my military career, I'm known as Smudge. Although, actually, that doesn't really explain why you're called Smudge, but Mm. anyway. A very long time ago, my cousin married a Rolling Stone. What? And we didn't... (laughs) Hang on. (laughs) Really? We didn't mix in the same social circles, but met a couple of times, mostly on a match and dispatch basis, which I, I imagine is... Weddings and funerals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. My other cousins used to get invited to the occasional concert, but I was normally overseas with work, so didn't get to see the Stones perform. Well, that changed in 1994. I was based in Catterick, and the invite came to see the Rolling Stones perform on their Voodoo Lounge tour at Wembley Stadium. Mm. Wow, this was going to be quite a treat for me and my wife of two years. The concert was free, but getting there in a hotel was not. So I did what most people would do... I sold my wife's car what? to get the cash to pay for the trip. Okay. Right. <laughs> it was a white Renault 19, so no great loss as far as I was concerned. <laughs> okay. We arrived in London in my car early in the afternoon and booked into a travel lodge or similar establishment close to Wembley. Then we met up with other members of my family. The excitement of the gathered extended family was huge. London, family gathering and the Rolling Stones. Wow. We were all collected by a very nice minibus and taken to Wembley. My auntie, 
mother-in-law to my Rolling Stone, seemed to be in charge and we were given a goodie bag. A bit cheesy for the family, I thought, but we were amongst paying fans, so went with the flow. I still have the baseball cap in my conservatory, should you require evidence. We were then given a VIP badge in sticker format to allow us access around Wembley, including the Royal Box. Ooh. One of my cousins was serving in the Royal Navy at the time, so naturally we headed to the bar with our lady folk and had a couple of pre-concert drinks. Not too many, though, as a Wembley pint was expensive, about two quid, I believe. Oh, two pounds. All the guests were given a warning that the concert was about to start, so we finished our drinks and cigarettes where appropriate. There was a big sign saying, no smoking on the doors of the Royal Box. I presume it's to stop VIPs flicking ash on the mortals below. Then the time came and we got ushered into the Royal Box and to our seats with great views of the stage. The Stones came on stage to bursts of pyrotechnic extravagance. I do like pyrotechnics, and this was an impressive display. The Stones were great, and I saw my cousin by marriage do their thing. I think they started with You Got Me Rocking from the Voodoo Lounge album. Now, this is quite a revealing sentence, I think. Mm -hmm. Anyway, after the first song, I thought we could do some more beer. And as I had a few quid from selling my wife's car, I was feeling generous. So I decided it would be good for me to get a round in for my family. So I typed down a list of drinks onto my state-of-the-art Nokia and exited the Royal Box for the bar. I was alone at the bar and I ordered around £30 worth of drinks. So that's a lot. If a pint was £2, that's a lot of drinks. As I left with my tray, another lady approached the bar and ordered a similar round in value to mine. After a short stroll back to the Royal Box, I approached the security guard, keeping the non-VIPs out. When I got there, the burly security guy said, You can't go in there, mate. I replied, yes, I can. I've got a VIP pass and nodded to the sticker on my arm as my hands were gripping the expensive tray of drinks for the family quite firmly. No, you can't. No drinks are allowed in there. You can go in, but not the drinks. Oh, bother, I thought, or words to that effect. So I went back to the bar with the family's drinks to think of a strategy and what to do next. It would appear that the lady who was served just after me had thought the same and we both sat at the table with an equally large tray of beverages. We got chatting about how ridiculous it was that a VIP... A VIP! <laughs> yeah. Wasn't allowed to drink in the Royal Box? Mm. Indulging in a drink, as we do every now and again. Yeah. After a few moments and around £30 worth of drinks later, it was decided that I should now go back into the Royal Box, as did the other woman. So we both went back flashing our VIP stickers in the bouncer's face. Naturally, on returning to my seat, the family questioned, over the track, out of tears, where the drinks were and why I'd taken so long though I fear my wife could tell by the way I was slurring my words and she was not best pleased. She said drinking on my own was sad and that I'd missed most of the concert at the cost of her car. You can imagine that she'd be very cross. <laughs> I said that I wasn't on my own and I was with that lady over there and that she had suffered the same fate. My wife, being a child of the 80s, pointed out to me that that lady was actually Kim Wilde. Oh, <laughs> Kim Wilde! So, who do I seek forgiveness from? Well, there's quite a list, really, including my wife for selling her car, my wider family for drinking their drinks, but I did pay for them, so not so much. Naturally, also Kim Wilde for not recognising her. She's peak Kim Wilde at this time, but I was more of a Spear of Destiny guy, not kids in America. Uh, But no, I seek forgiveness from the Rolling Stones, excluding my cousin by marriage, as he's now divorced, my cousin. (laughs) But as a a group, they gave me a ticket to see them at Wembley as a VIP in the Royal Box, and I only actually heard two songs, deciding to spend the rest of my time in the bar instead. Yeah. With Kim Wilde, although I didn't actually realise that uh, at the time. So there's an awful lot going on there, a very entertaining tale from Smudge. 
Um, I think Sister Holly might be quite cross about this one. Yeah, the main thing that I'm disappointed about, really, is the selling of the wife's car. I just think it's, it's particularly bad. Like, you know, that was her car. It was her white Renault car, and she liked it. And he's just being so dismissive about it, and that's not very nice. Also, you just sat in the bar for the whole concert when you had the chance to sit in the royal box. I've been sat in the royal box oh, at the Royal Opera House you on many oh, occasions. Um, and, and it's really quite quite nice, actually. Uh, but yes, they have similar rules there where you're not allowed to eat or drink anything apart from the ice cream that you can buy at the bar. Strange, weird rules. However, what I will say is I don't forgive because I just feel like he should have been there, he should have been in the royal box, and he shouldn't have brought all those drinks, really. Top just... aristocratic anecdote, I think. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> brother from another guy. I mean, it's very much a case of uh, VIPs think the rules don't apply to them, uh, isn't it? Well, it turns out the rules do apply. And, uh, and so, you know, he, he's obviously managed to have a, have a few drinks. And my guess is that his wife was happy for uh, them to sell the car. I'm sure she went along with that. Um, finding out that one of the Rolling Stones has now divorced his cousin, that doesn't narrow it down at all. Turns out most of them are going through a rate of knots. Um, so, But after having all of those drinks, I'm sure it was a case of jumping Jack Flush. So, for that reason... Oh, 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 I'm going to forgive. Simon Mayo's Confessions. That was so terrible. It was so good, wasn't it? <laughs> I had the there were a number I had lined up. And that was I, the best? Rolling Stones, yeah, yeah. Jumping Jack Flush. Mm. Ready who, to go. Who knew that Holly often... <laughs> yeah. How many times have you been in the Royal Box? Ooh, probably about seven or eight. Seven, now. What? Seven, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really nice. How, it's good. How I'm come? sure it is. How come? Mainly because I worked at the Royal Opera House for a few months, and so you get sort of freebie tickets really from that. Uh, and there's a lovely Queen Victoria throne in the box with you, which just sits there with a nice mirror, and that's where she used to sit when she would go and see. So the does opera. anyone sit on that throne? No, there's rope over it. No one's allowed to sit in the chair. I bet you did, though. Definitely. Very quickly. Very quickly. Quick selfie. <laughs> Up on the gram. <laughs> wow. It's kind of a privilege to be on the same podcast. Isn't it, though? As Holly, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Anyway, that was uh, Smudge's confession. Who, you imagine, would perform quite poorly in an 80s pop star picture-round quiz uh, at the local pub. Matt, have you ever failed to... Because I, I often fail to recognise people all the time. Oh, right. For example... Okay, go on. Uh, walking down Regent Street one morning with my wife and this car goes past and a bunch of women peering out going, I'm Simon, I'm Simon. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of wave because that kind of thing happens all the time. All the time, all the time. Yeah. All the time those women with that. Ah! And then my wife, who, who <laughs> tends to understand, she said, you don't know who they were, do you? And I went, no, I've got no idea. She said they were the Spice Girls. Oh! Wow! <laughs> Okay. But in my defence, they were shouting and yelling from inside a stretch limo. So I was thinking, well, what is this? It could be anyone. So this was obviously mid-90s? Yeah, I would think so. Height of their fame? They hadn't had a hit for weeks. Oh, know. literally weeks. Yeah. Yes. Oh, right. Have okay. you ever not recognised anyone? No, nothing on that scale, no. I mean, there's been, there's been sports people who I've sort of blanked and then realised I had to interview them. Oh, Jennifer Lopez, that was one. I told you about the Jennifer Lopez. I've done that Jennifer Lopez story so many you times You saw now. J-Lo. I did, yeah. No, I, I was supposed to interview Jennifer Je- 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 Lopez and then made uh, what I thought was a very funny joke and oh turns out J-Lo didn't quite... Uh, J-Lo said that's the <laughs> most useless <laughs> pun yes, I've ever heard. No, no, not funny uh, at all. Turning to the parish notice board, uh, going through a few bits and pieces that you've sent our way... 
Yes, uh, we've got a couple of new reviews pinned to the board this week. Yes. All of them five stars. So five stars from Julie, who says, It's back. So much laughter. I have missed this. It's wonderful to hear the confessions once again. More please. This is what got me started on podcasts. It's still the best it podcast is. I've ever listened to. Uh, also five stars from Stanbo Excellent, uh, who says, Missed this so much. Just found this again, having listened to every single episode previously the funniest podcast bar none welcome back Mm -hmm. and also five stars from rayman8971 uh who says yes who is a robot and says please make this weekly well we are that's our point it's it's, it's once a week best thing on our tunes itunes uh that was a gag from the old days that is a gag from back in the day yes that's right you can go on our tunes and give it a five star review quite right uh an absolute must so happy to find confession podcast back dog walks with a smile from now on one from the crypt i'd like to hear is the schoolboy and the zookeeper who taught him a lesson with a crocodile um, i'm uh, sure it ended badly uh, for yes. everybody wouldn't apart get from through the now crocodile. No, no i don't think well, so well t- whilst we're talking about confessions and people not being very specific i have to say please be specific when you email us and let us know what confessions you want from the crypt. We got this message that said, my request for a vintage confession is from a, quite a few years ago and the only added detail I can remember is that I was waiting to pick up my wife from the train station at Bristol oh, wow. Parkway. Yeah. The train had been delayed by a broken rail or something at Swindon. So I remember I was sat in the car with the heater on to keep warm for a good 40 minutes. Right. Anyway, the confession had been absolute hysterics, so it would be great to hear it again. Cheers from Terry. <laughs> I, that Superb. doesn't narrow it down, Terry. <laughs> So when we when we say more detail, we don't mean more detail with what you were doing no, and where no. you were. We mean what's in it. I, I love that he gives the reason for the delay. Yes. It was something to do with the uh, tree at Swindon. That was the reason. He remembers that, but not the actual confession, which is, is, is rather strange. I also liked this other note we got on the parish notice board here, uh, because David is looking to submit his confession and seeking a bit of advice. Uh, and he writes the following. Uh, Before I submit what would be a long story I wanted to check whether the phrase saw knackers would make the confession (laughs) unsuitable can I just ask what is sore knackers? Right. Okay. Well, what obviously, we're not going to guess. We're obviously <laughs> in which definitely case? not getting into that. Because I read it as sore knickers, but that's not no, it. No, 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 no. Uh, we're not. We're right. Number one, we're not explaining what sore knackers are. <laughs> it's the kind of thing that you might get if your underwear is not strong enough and you're yeah. riding a bike and you're yes. a bloke. Yes. Oh, you're a, yeah, you're a man. Yes. Yeah. No. No. This is very much uh, man territory. Um, saddle saw. Saddle saw. Oh, Very good. Yes, okay, yes, yes, right. yes. Remember so, that from your pony days. So yeah. I okay. think there's probably another way of. of it. I mean, it, by all means, send it in. And if if we think that that expression is too harsh, then yes. I will change it to under carriage. Com- <laughs> complications down below. Mm. There we go. Complications down below. That's right. Where the and your undercarriage will not undercarriage. That's another good one yes. for yeah. another <laughs> couple of weeks because uh. of soreness. <laughs> I learned so much with this podcast. Yes, clearly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Carol Jennings, uh, congratulations on the Confessions podcast. Absolutely brilliant, especially the ones from the crypt. Every time I listen to the regular spot during the week, I always cast my mind back to the one which makes me smile. It was about a guy called Billy. 
uh, not his real name, and the tea trolley lady, I will call her Doris, who had the ability to retain every bit of knowledge about her customers, unknown to Billy. And when Doris asked Billy about his weekend, how it had gone, he replied that he'd just become a father, which was a total lie. Oh, no. Doris, who loves a baby, every day or each time she saw Billy, would ask him how the baby was. Uh, and so he said, oh, doing great, thank you, teething or crawling, gone to school. <laughs> no. <laughs> Graduating soon. Every single day until Doris retired. Oh, to hear wow. this confession again would be absolutely awesome, as I think this is the best confession ever. Keep doing what you're doing, guys, as you're all brilliant, <laughs> says Carol Jennings. Brilliant. No, I love that one. The reason I love that one was because everyone's so nice in it. So Doris is just wanting to... She's so delighted that Billy's got this... has, has had this baby, bouncing baby boy, and just just wants details on it all the time. It's great. Uh, Joe says, uh, Father Simon and the Collective, depending on how deep into the archives we can venture, is there any chance of hearing that goat confession? <laughs> no, there's no chance of hearing if that. If you know, that you know. Goat. I believe yeah. its title was called <laughs> The Goat and the Mineshaft. Yeah, well, Alternatively, the story yeah. of Hammy the Hamster. OK, so... Th- so this is going back to Radio 1 days. Definitely, so, yeah. to which the answer, Joe, is the archive doesn't go back that far. Because no. I genuinely don't think any of them were recorded anyway. Mm. But the goat confession was a story. Uh, there's alcohol involved. Uh, it's late night. A bunch of lads uh, walking across a field in Cornwall and they come across an open mine shaft. And they decide to throw things down this deep hole to see how deep it is. You know, listen for the splash. Mm. So, they chuck down rocks. And then one guy turns up with a, a, a railway sleeper, a huge railway sleeper, and chucks that down. And as it goes down, there's a tinkle of a chain, which is following the railway sleeper down. And as the sleeper goes down and then the chain goes down, there's a goat on the end of the chain. <gasps> and the goat is... Now, obviously, we can't do that kind <laughs> no. of thing. Definitely not getting on. No, no, but what I mean is I'm just giving that as an example of the kind yeah. of thing that we used to do. It used to be wow. fine, apparently. That was wow. fine. But wouldn't yeah. get on. Yeah, 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 now. yeah. And the Hammy the Hamster one... Was also absolute. was that the radio control plane? Yeah, it yeah. was a brother and sister, and the brother stole stole his sister's hamster to put into a, a remote controlled aircraft, and then he flew <laughs> no. the aircraft, lost control of the aircraft, and the aircraft and the hamster <laughs> oh my God. disappeared over trees. Yes. No, no idea where it's gone. No, no into space. What happened to the hamster? Again, yeah, I'm just yeah. including that as an example of the sort of yeah, thing yeah, yeah. that is problematic. <laughs> That's shocking. That is shocking. <laughs> it is. Wow. I mean, that was very. I'm just, we ha- we actually have in the studio executive producer Gareth. Yeah. And I, he doesn't like to say anything. No. So maybe you could act this out. Would either of those get on now? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay. So I'm, there you go. So that's a, a, I'm just including them now as a handy guide. Yeah. <laughs> This is the kind wow. of thing that won't get on. No, it won't get on. Anything that involves cruelty to animals yeah. or breaking the law. Shocking. I'm, I'm still shook. Are you still by that. shocked? Yeah. If you want to get in touch, uh, you can just uh, do it in the normal way, which is confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk. Quick mention to Jojo, Ginge, M, Christopher Hale, Paula Parker, Linda G, Tash, and Nicola, who are amongst those who tweeted the secret code phrase from last week's podcast, which was. Speedos. Speedos, that's right. I wonder why I kept on getting... I, mean, I remember. <laughs> so we will give you a new code phrase to prove that you got to the end of the podcast later on. Later on, yeah, that will be the whole point. Can't mm. do it now. Anyway, thank you very much for everything you sent through. More, please send it to confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk. OK, 
OK, a quick trawl through the gutter now of the confessions that didn't quite make the cut. Uh, these are the ones that we can't really do on the radio, a bit like the goat and the hamster yeah. uh, yes. confession. Uh, some cases you can't really do on the podcast either for reasons of taste and decency. But we can kind of refer to them uh, obliquely, mm. I think. So, for example, Tony who was busy cutting his toenails in the living room, something oh. his wife mm. has told him in no uncertain terms not don't. to do. No. When he heard the keys in the front door, in a panic to cover his tracks and avoid the strife, he tossed the toenail clippings into the budgie cage. Excited by the appearance of this new and exotic food, the budgie <laughs> oh, no. tucked oh. him straight away. Now, at this point, you go, actually, I'd have been, that's fine. Yeah. At that point, it's fine. What? Mm. The toenail clippings into the budgie, but the budgie yes. might eat the toenails is the reason why it wasn't. Oh, right, okay. Mm. This turned out to be the budgie's final treat. Oh! Uh, <laughs> with the animals again! As he didn't make it through the night. See? If you just... If the budgie had liked them and had thrived, yeah. it, would, it would have been okay. I mean, mm. there's not going to be a lot of um, healthy goodness in a toenail, I'm going to say. I remember there was another toenail confession. Oh, yes, I remember. Yeah, go on. Where he did his fingernails and his toenails clippings and he put them there was a disused crisp packet yep. on the table in the lounge and he put them in there and then his wife came in said oh salt and vinegar and you know what you do when you get to right to the very yeah. end of the crisp packet you tip it up yeah, 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 and he yeah. had a mouthful of the, oh. she had a mouthful of a few grains of salt no. and vinegar and those thick chunky toenail thick, clippings chunky toenails. Oh. Oh, a bit of pork crackling. Um, Melissa, uh, who has been sending her husband fake invoices from the vet uh, so she can take the money from the joint account and spend it on clothes. Oh, no! What? What? This is fine. <laughs> I like this. If he knew that's where the money was going, he'd go nuts. But as long as he thinks it's for the dog, he never complains. <laughs> I mean, yeah. What's wrong with that? <laughs> What's wrong with that? Executive I mean, guy. lovely fake invoices. You've got to love that, haven't you? Good work, that's Melissa. Bad. Well, that's funny. That's not good. Uh, and we've got one here from Lisa. Uh, and, and your confession of youthful drunken debauchery might have actually made it to the show if it wasn't for the bit about where you faked a break-in to cover the mess you made of the flat. Yeah. Then given the police a description of an ex-boyfriend oh. leading to his arrest... Leading to what? Luckily, for all involved, his subsequent release without charge. Oh, yeah, okay. This no, is that, shocking. That's a good that's reason bad. for not doing it. Okay. That's really bad. So you get gradually getting the idea about the way the production <laughs> mind works. Anyway, back to the confessions that did make the cut. Here we go with Carl's snowy tail. It's a sin. It's a, it's a, it's, you get the idea. Confess all. We won't tell anyone. Just the entire nation. Simon Mayo's Confessions. Today's has a 12 certificate. Ooh. And it comes from a PG borderline 12, okay. I would say. It comes from Carl. Father Simon, brother Matthew and sister Holly, it's been many years since my last confession, but this season of cold and snow has brought back memories of an earlier time when I was younger, obviously. The time is the mid-80s. I was a callow youth of 16 at a Catholic boys' school in deepest, darkest Suffolk. The school was very sporty. Me, not so much. But one sport I enjoyed was skiing, primarily because gravity did most of the work and you didn't have to do it on a freezing field in shorts. And so the annual school skiing trip was a thing I happily saved up my money from, my Saturday job, to be able to afford. As a Catholic school, the brothers who ran it were extremely strict. Thankfully, the games master was somewhat more liberal. And so it was decreed that my, any student 
able to provide a signed permission slip, was permitted during the trip to drink and smoke. Wow! <laughs> if they wanted, without consequences. This wow. is different times. <laughs> it is very. As you can imagine, the trade in signatures, in inverted commas, was intense. And surprisingly or not, everyone managed to get a permission slip to enable drinking and smoking. Again, not to be encouraged. <laughs> when we arrived at the hotel, we were thrilled to find that another school trip was also booked into the hotel, and this group was from a girls' school in South End. This news was music to our hormonally fueled ears, mm -hmm. something that's biologically not possible, yeah. and we spent the next week attempting, wherever and whenever possible, to ingratiate ourselves with key members of this other educational establishment, purely in the interests of inter-school harmony, of course. Yeah. Our ability to purchase alcohol was, of course, one of the major draws, signed and, and officially sanctioned. <laughs> and so myself and my four co-conspirators were very popular. We held no notions that our popularity extended much beyond our access to the bars of the village. By the last day of the trip, we had managed to pair up with five girls of our age, and our hopes for the final night were high. The hotel had opened the disco, and the sounds of Depeche Mode and Bronski Beat and many others were filling the hotel. By mutual consent, the ten of us decided that the disco was a bit lame, so we should retire to somewhere more <laughs> comfortable. Okay. Right. We were invited to get a few bottles from the room at the top of the hotel and meet them in their room on the first floor, which we eagerly did, arriving breathless in a time that Carl Lewis would have been proud of. <laughs> he was a runner. <laughs> yes, oh, he okay. Was. Yeah. Right. Very fast. For reasons of decency, the next 50 minutes or so will remain shrouded in mystery. Yeah. Suffice to say, our mock O-level biology revision was helped <laughs> yeah, enormously. Right. Yeah, okay. Until a loud thundering started on the door. Was it an avalanche? Was the hotel under attack by zombies? No, it was the game's mistress. Oh, you're going to do the voice? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. What? <laughs> Let me in this minute. Oh, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> Let me in this minute. Yes. I know what's going on, and when I catch you, you'll be in so much trouble. <laughs> said the game's mistress. Yes. Mm. What were we to do, Father Simon? Even rearranging ourselves into a couple of bridge fours wasn't going to get us out of trouble. <laughs> so we did what any decent gentleman would do and we exited via the balcony. This was obviously only a short-term solution. Even a game's mistress will have sufficient awareness to check the balcony, so we looked for something else to save our skins, skins that were rapidly chilling in the cold night air as we hadn't exactly been wearing our ski gear upon exiting the room. Fortunately, the balcony was actually part of the flat roof of the ground floor restaurant and so with the hammering on the door still going on behind us we scrambled over the railing and skidded along the length of the hotel until we reached the end unfortunately the flat roof we were on did not extend around the corner so we were trapped the five of us sat on the edge of the roof like five very cold gnomes wondering what we were to do until the inevitable happened you five get here now <laughs> Games mistress, obviously. Yeah. Mm. Going back was not in our game plan, and so we jumped. Thankfully, all that was beneath us was a very large snowdrift, so we landed chest deep in snow. Okay. We waded out of the drift onto the road behind the hotel. Remember, we're not wearing very much. <laughs> then trudged back around until we reached the entrance to the hotel. Looking very much worse for wear, we proceeded to melt into the reception carpet like the five animated snowmen we were. As a result of this escapade, the girls had been grounded, and in any case, being encased in stove for half an hour had dramatically reduced... 
well, pretty much reduced everything, okay. including our ardour, and so the rest of yeah. the night was spent drowning our sorrows indeed and bemoaning our luck. This resulted in the most epic of hangovers the next morning, and so it could be said we inflicted our own punishment. Mm -hmm. However, I would like to seek forgiveness from the following. Firstly, the receptionist who had to remove a snowdrift's worth of melting snow from her reception. Secondly, the girls themselves, who we never saw again and never had the opportunity to apologise for the trouble they got into, albeit they were the ones who invited us. And finally, to our games master, who we understood got one hell of a talking to from the game's mistress for not keeping his charges under control. Plying her girls with alcohol and risking their virtue, although it has to be said there wasn't much virtue to risk. <laughs> wow! In, our, in honesty, the looks he gave us as he counted us onto the coach the next morning seemed to have more pride than anger. As I said, he was a very liberal games master yeah. indeed. So, Father Simon, I fear that Sister Holly will never forgive and even Brother Matthew may have a <laughs> little willingness to offer for his forgiveness, given the whole ski trip thing, and so I throw myself on the mercy of your audience. That's interesting. So he thinks you're not going to forgive just because yes. it's a skiing trip and therefore... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus war. <coughs> not yeah. your people. No. And Sister Holly is a lost cause, I think, mm. for this one. As soon as, as, soon as you said uh, not much virtue to risk, I wow, think... Wow, that's, uh, mm. that's quite nasty, actually. That's not very nice, Carl. Uh, and I, I just don't like... Also, the fact you ended the night just drowning your sorrows. Like, no, that's not very good. That's not very they good behaviour. They had signatures. Not, yeah. not to drown your sorrows. I presume they just thought you could have one beer or something. I didn't think they presumed you were just going to get, you know, flat-out drunk and start, you know, going off with all these girls. I mean, it's, it's just immoral in the most it's obvious... Sense. It is disgusting. It's repulsive, actually. Uh, and that's why, Carl, I'm not forgiving at all. I'm out. Okay. Uh, brother from another guy. I mean, you're right. My instinct would have been to not forgive just because of the skiing element, which I am not in favour of. But um, <laughs> but I am going to forgive because what exactly is this system where, imagine that way, you can say, is it okay if your son just has a few drinks and the odd cigarette whilst he's away being looked after by the school? Sign it's, here. It's astonishing. Um, and, and who, which of us, when offered that opportunity, opportunity wouldn't have done the same? We We'd have all done the same. We'd have all tried to uh, absolutely no. go into town and say to the young ladies, why did I get a bottle of cider for you and me? Um, so, uh, so I think we're all going to forgive. No. Um, and the girls got what they want. They wanted some booze. They got the booze. They're happy. Uh, the receptionist uh, it all sorted out in the end. And everyone learned <laughs> a lesson. That's what's important. Is it? So uh, didn't we all? What a load of rubbish. <laughs> yes, uh, definitely <laughs> forgiven. Simon Mayo's Confessions. Still to come on this week's Confessions podcast. Fergus's confession, nice and sleazy, does it? Plus, puffing Billy's story, straight down the middle. Simon Mayo's Confessions. Simon and the team, slightly against my better judgment, I'm writing to you to seek forgiveness and clear my conscience. Given your impressive listener figures and the remote possibility of some form of reprisal, I'd like to be referred to by an alias of your choosing, hence okay. Puffing Billy. Billy. Yeah. Mm. Nearly 30 years ago, I was a member of a local golf club. Mm. <laughs> Never a good start. <laughs> as far as Matt's concerned, already unforgiven. Uh, with the possibility of a promising golfing career ahead of me. Mm. Unfortunately, I ended up spending too much time practising in the 19th hole. But that's beside the point. That's a reference to the bar. Oh, OK. okay. <laughs> now I'm with you. <laughs> so many things you have to explain. It was a wonderful golf course, which also boasted a 93-room hotel, a gym, 
swimming pool and other luxury facilities. The low light of the golfing calendar was the annual mid-January, like now, AGM. I mean, all AGMs are utterly tedious, but this one gave the committee blowhards a chance to revel in their own self-importance. Can you imagine? One particular year, a few of us young bloods decided to attend and dutifully arrived on time for the 7.30pm kickoff, as it was not referred to. It was a particularly cold January night. We were relieved to finally get seated in the lovely warm room. Over the next couple of hours, we were kept enthralled with information about possible new bunkers, the projected timetable for treatment of the greens, and even information regarding the intended aggressive, and I'm going to change this to, hedge trimming around the first hole. Okay. That's not... Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, no, I know. Riveting doesn't get close to describing, Father Simon, the roller coaster of emotions that we were experiencing attending our first golf club AGM. Don't you wish you were there? Mm. White knuckle ride though it was, the pinnacle, the zenith, the culmination of the event was the treasurer's report. This part of the meeting generally involved a solid 30 minutes of figures detailing the income and expenditure of the club for the previous 12 months, delivered in unwavering monotone voice by a particularly boring accountant. On this particular night, the excitement proved too much for two of us and we quietly (laughs) slipped out through the rear doors of the room and sloped off to the hotel bar for some refreshment. Pints collected from the bar on the way back to the meeting, my friend nipped into the gents to relieve his bladder, leaving me on my own in the hallway. Now, this was back in the days when smoking, yes, we're back there again, (laughs) was still allowed inside. Ah. And I'm somewhat ashamed to say that I took the opportunity to light up a coffin nail before leaning against the corridor wall, striking my best Clint Eastwood, man with no name, tilted head cowboy pose. In a golf club. Yeah. In a golf club, yes, where you wouldn't really expect <laughs> right. about it. A few minutes later, my friend reappeared to find me exhaling plumes of smoke at a plant pot device that was stuck to the corridor ceiling. At this point, I should say, please don't do anything <laughs> in this confession. Very bad behaviour. Right. What are you doing, my friend asked. Do you think that's a smoke alarm, I said, sending smoke signals skywards. Probably, he says, but you'll never set it off. Split second later, the whole corridor was filled with the ear-splitting ringing of a fire bell. Several seconds after that, there was a commotion as the hotel staff started running in and out of rooms, asking everyone to exit the hotel immediately and congregate on the far side of the car park. Some 20 minutes later, we stood in the car park, along with all the guests from the entire 93-room hotel, as well as all of the hotel and kitchen staff. This would have been bad enough, but a few hundred yards from the hotel was a smaller building which included another bar and kitchen, the gym, squash courts, swimming pool, jacuzzi and sauna, all of which had to be emptied immediately with the patrons directed to the car park without returning to the dressing rooms. Ah. Right. <laughs> oh, right. At that moment, as I looked around the car park, the 150 or so people who were congregated there, several of whom were huddled together, shivering as the temperature neared zero degrees Celsius, oh. with chattering teeth and wearing slightly frosted swimwear, Some, I fear, had nothing on under those towels, Father Simon. I thought the worst had passed, but it was then that I heard the approaching sirens and saw the flashing lights as three fire engines pulled up to the hotel. Engine doors flew open and fully uniformed firefighters... What were you expecting? (laughs) Half-uniformed firefighters disembarked sporting air tanks and respirators. Didn't take them long, obviously, to realise there was nothing happening, and the hotel thoroughly checked over. The fire engines soon loaded up and left. 
Luckily, my friend kept quiet and resisted the urge to turn me in. A little while later, I was able to beat a hasty retreat without being lynched. To this day, no one has ever found out what, or more importantly, who, caused the alarm to go off that night. The AGM had to be abandoned. Minutes were not approved. Bunkers not approved also. The accountant never finished his job. I've carried this secret with me for 27 years and feel it's time to lay down my burden. Any absolution or salvation that you may be able to offer to me will be gratefully received. All the best and keep playing those hits. <laughs> okay, we will. That's, that is, it's in the remit. Uh, Puffing Billy uh, wants forgiveness and definitely not getting it from you-know-who. No, I mean, the thing is, I understand AGMs are not the most exciting, and so I did have some sympathy with you at the start. However, uh, you recognise that smoking indoors is just not a good idea, really, hence why it's just not a thing anymore. Um, And so, really, if you hadn't been doing it indoors, then this wouldn't have happened. And all of these people that had to come out of the sauna just in their bikinis, I mean, it sounds like an absolute nightmare. All of that chaos just caused by you and that's why I'm not going to forgive just a towel in freezing temperatures mm, I mean it's inexcusable awful. well yes I, I, I would argue though if, if you're naked underneath the towel uh, in the middle of the gym what are you doing naked in the gym that's what I'm no, something, no, something no, else is sauna. going in the sauna in the sauna naked in the sauna as well wrap a towel and then exit the whole den of depravity in this uh, golf club um, I'm, I mean obviously that's you know it's alright for some um, not for me and I'm going to forgive mainly because you know it was uh, probably the system at fault here wasn't it Which because system? because the smoking underneath the smoke alarm I thought the smoke alarms didn't detect smoke uh, from a cigarette turns out they do so maybe that needed changing or maybe it didn't I don't know uh, for that <laughs> what <laughs> the most incomprehensible and for that reason, for that reason, but what reason? The reasons that I'm at Simon Mayo's confessions. We won't tell anyone. What? Oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, we will tell everyone. Uh, tonight's confession uh, comes from Fergus. All right, Fergus. Um, dear Simon, Matt, Susie. And the hard-working team. So you haven't been here quite long enough. <laughs> I'm the hard-working team. That's, it's cool. That, yeah, <laughs> I'm writing to you to get a heavy burden off my chest that has bothered me for over 40 years. For this tale of woe took place in Brighton in the long, lazy summer of 1983. I was at this time a young, quiet and slightly action-man-obsessed ten-year-old. The youngest of three brothers, I regularly suffered the fate of many youngest siblings that have been mercilessly bullied by my older middle brother, who of course was mercilessly bullied by our eldest brother. Whenever my parents went out and I was left home alone with the middle one, I had to endure such treats as being ridden over on the living room carpet with his budgie yellow rally chipper bike. (laughs) The slightly less known sibling of the famous rally chopper Mm, bike. Yeah being made to do all of his chores whilst he sat watching flashing blades on television and even having to regularly go and do his local paper round for him after spotting me bunking off school one afternoon and using this information as blackmail. Ah, brothers, eh? I think that you can glean from this list that my brother was not afraid of using his seniority and my gullibility to do as little as possible, whilst also getting 
pleasure from the power he wielded over his annoying little brother. I was very sporty, Father Simon, as a youngster, the opposite of my brother, whose only hobbies seemed to be playing his binatone keyboard, hammer horror films, listening to The Stranglers <laughs> and science. To this end, my brother... sounds quite interesting. Yeah, brother. very good. To this end, my brother had just purchased a new high-powered microscope, which he had in pride of place in his room and to which he would spend hours looking at slides of various items through this microscope. My brother had made it abundantly clear to me that I was on no account to touch, look at, or even come near his beloved microscope. One day while he was out, of course, I ignored that warning Creeping into his room, I attempted clumsily to place a glass slide into the shiny new microscope. To my horror, as I attempted to slide the glass slide in place, it snapped in two with a high-frequency shattering noise. As I mentioned at the beginning of this email, I was at this time a rather shy, unworldly wise ten-year-old who had thus far not managed to pick up a huge vocabulary of naughty words with which to express frustration. In fact, I only knew one word, and it's the one that rhymes with rugger. And this was the word I exclaimed on hearing the slide shatter. Hastily removing the broken slide, I hid it behind a radiator, and it was then that I noticed a tape recorder next to the microscope. (laughs) The tape recorder was making a funny whirring noise, but in my rush to exit my brother's bedroom, I gave it no more thought. That evening after dinner, my brother, looking quite pleased with himself, summoned me to his room to show me something. After asking me if I had anything to confess, (laughs) I nervously said no. It was at this point he pressed play on his tape recorder that was next to his microscope. My heartbeat fastened and my skin became clammy as I heard the muffled sounds of shattered glass and a high-pitched exclamation of the word that rhymes with rugger. My devious and conniving brother had known full well that I wouldn't be able to resist looking at his microscope and had set up the tape recorder to catch me in the act and to obtain some useful blackmail material in the process. He took great delight in telling me that unless I did his paper round every day, called him sir, even in public, (laughs) and donated my chocolate angel delight portions to him, then he would reveal to my parents my potty mouth tirade. It's hardly a tirade, one word, I think. Anyway, angel delight was an old pudding, by the way. Oh, yes. Just have to mention that for young Holly. (laughs) Dear Simon and the Forgiving Team, I ask forgiveness as driven to breaking point by this whole devious sting operation. I did what any self-respecting younger sibling would do when backed into a corner. I took his beloved Hammer House of Horrors complete illustrated history encyclopedia from his bookcase, dug a hole in a shrubbery uh, in the local park and buried his book and carefully placed the turf back on top of it. I had always and still do hate horror films, probably because a few years earlier, whilst at a friend's children's party, the parents went out, leaving the kids unsupervised and some bright spark decided it'd be a good idea to watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Ah, on the Betamax video player. Uh, After five minutes, I felt sick. Anyway, having taken into consideration this backstory and also the thought that a Hammer Horror book would probably be worth quite a lot by now, my brother never found out where his favourite book had gone, so no harm done really. Yours contritely, Fergus. Who, it seems to me, has certainly got his own back uh, on his brother by hiding his very, very favourite book under a shrubbery in the local park. 
Uh, Holly, what do you say to that? Well, Fergus, it was doubly bad, this confession, really. For starters, he told you, do not touch my microscope. And he, you went in, you didn't care, you ignored his wishes, and then you broke it. Then you got caught. I mean, that was bad enough. But then the fact that uh, you just thought, oh, I'll grab his Hammer House of Horror book yes. and then bury it. Bury that's, it the quite, that's quite thoughtful uh, and a bit much, a bit devious. Uh, for that reason, that's why I'm not going to forgive, because it's just not very brotherly behaviour. Really, brother from another gutter. I mean, uh, instinctively, I'm going to side with the elder brother here because, I mean, as we've already established, uh, younger siblings, oh, they're always so cute and fabulous, they get all the attention, and it's down to the (laughs) older siblings to very much be the sensible ones. I love the idea that he was taping anyone going, although in those days with tapes, they lasted like 45 minutes. You'd have to go back in, turn the side over, and keep taping. So, uh, quite a lot of uh, thoughts going into that from the older siblings. Might have been a C120. C1 could have been that. Could have been that. Let's let's get into that. Um, so I mean, I'm going to forgive because you know, in the end, everyone suffered in a way, didn't they? And didn't that teach us a lot about life? So for that reason, no I'm reason going at all. To forgive. Also, a mention of chocolate angel delight. Oh, would have had a number of old people going. I tell you what, that was a butterscotch as well. Butterscotch wit was the best. It was, wasn't it? It was much yeah, better yeah, than yeah, chocolate. Yeah, 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 what do you think, Holly? Oh no, you oh, don't you remember. Went born. <laughs> oh my goodness. Confess all. We won't tell anyone. Just the entire nation. Simon Mayo's confessions. No, no, try no. it. Try it this weekend. Stewed apple, butterscotch angel delight. I think you. Well, I don't think uh, no one's selling stewed apple. No one, that's not a thing anymore. They certainly are. No, no it's not. not. That's not, not a thing. No, you, no, can, no. you can get it at Timothy White's. <laughs> <laughs> Half a crown. <laughs> that's, how much, that's how much it costs. <laughs> it's old money. Okay. Yep, yep, I'm there. Yep. <laughs> the thing with those sibling confessions yeah. is... It doesn't matter what the confession... It all depends where you are in the pecking order of your family as to yeah, whether you yeah, forgive yeah. or not. Yeah. If you're a younger sister, elder brother, in the middle, that is going to be the reason why you decide to forgive or not. So let's go into the crypt uh, to resurrect another classic. Uh, thank you, by the way, for all your wonderful suggestions for the crypt. All gratefully received, although you may have to bear with us a little while you know, as we actually track some of these down, to be honest, for a time we weren't sure if we would ever be doing this podcast again for reasons that you might have read about. <laughs> yeah. And the confessional filing system has officially lapsed. The software is is too old. Uh, but we'll get there. So it was Rose, back in episode one, who requested today's confession from the crypt about a lady who finds herself in something of a tight spot at the crematorium. Retrieved from a dusty old mini disc this very morning, here's Trisha's tale, which we called at the time Drop Kick Me Jesus Through the Goalposts of Life. <laughs> uh, dear Father Simon, my confession takes us back to when my friend and neighbour Joan had sadly passed away. I was talking to her daughter, offering condolences and asking when and where the funeral was going to be. She informed me it was to be the following week on Friday at the Creme, 1.30pm. Well, that's fine for me, I thought, because I don't work Friday, so that's okay. Next Friday came around, I dutifully got myself ready, wearing an appropriate dark-coloured, sombre-looking outfit. Though I had lived in this particular town some years, I'd never been to a funeral, and I got lost on the way to the crematorium and arrived a little late. When I arrived, I could see the empty hearse outside the building, and people were already filing in, but I had to wait until they'd all entered before I could pass and park my car. Veteran confession uh, listeners will know probably (laughs) 
exactly where, where this is where this is heading. After eventually finding a parking space, I rushed back and opened the door to the crematorium to find it was packed inside and the service had already started. But a kindly gentleman waved me over to the back row. He scooted over and allowed me to sit down. I sat and thought, well, that all went rather smoothly eventually. After a few minutes of catching my breath and getting my bearings, I started to look around for people I knew would be there. I couldn't see anyone. <laughs> Even surreptitiously stood up to see the front row. Yeah. I couldn't see my neighbor's daughters or husband. Then I heard the celebrant talking about Dorothy. Oh, dear. <laughs> Dorothy? I thought, who the hell is Dorothy? <laughs> Suddenly dawned on me in a mouth-drying, stomach-churning second. I was at the wrong funeral. What to do, what to do? Well, after talking about Dorothy for a while, the funeral... <laughs> I mean, pretty much as you would expect. I mean, for, I mean, fair enough. For a while, you know. Oh, not Dorothy again. <laughs> well... OK, moving on then, celebrant. The funeral celebrant started... Here's, here's the bit, here's the... Here's the humdinger. The funeral celebrant started to walk up the centre aisle with the microphone in hand, oh, no. asking oh, no. different people oh, no, what no, no, they no. remembered best about Dorothy. <laughs> oh, no. This is a bad no. idea at any funeral, <laughs> surely. Well, I thought I can't be that unlucky. But no, God's wrath was upon me that day. As she arrived at the back row, she leaned over and asked me. Me! Oh, no. I was supposed to be at Joan's funeral. Anyway, she asked me, panic rising at this point, what I remembered about Dorothy. Well, a number of things ran through my mind at this point. I could pretend to be so choked up that I couldn't speak, but I'm not that good an actress. I could just mumble something about she was kind or she was funny, but maybe she wasn't, and everyone was there to make... <laughs> I mean, you don't want to be an actor, do you? No, maybe, maybe she was mean yeah. and boring. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And She's everyone so was there just yeah. to make sure she was really dead and gone. <laughs> so the only option I had left, and which seemed at the time a sensible option, was to turn, stand on the pew, leap off and run for the door. <laughs> so that's what I did. I stood up, turned round, stepped onto the pew, leapt over it, <laughs> and I was going to run for the door, but as I, as, I, as I did so, the belt on my coat got caught oh. on something. So rather than being able to run, I was stuck, chained to the pew. Oh. At this point, I heard a gasp. So instead of struggling with the belt, I took off my coat, pulled it free of the belt and bolted for the door, leaving the belt behind. Well, <laughs> leaving, leaving the belt and a crematorium full of people with shocked expressions on their faces and wondering what the heck had just happened... Outside, I just hightailed it into my car, started it, literally peeled out of there, leaving several inches of rubber in the car park and driving like a bat out of hell until I was clear of the graveyard and the whole deeply embarrassing mess. Father Simon and the Worshipful Collective, I ask for forgiveness from Dorothy's family, friends and the poor lady conducting the service for creating such a spectacle at a funeral that until that point, my escape had been a rather nice service. I still have no idea who Dorothy was. By the way, my neighbour's funeral was 
was the following Friday. Her daughter just assumed it would be Friday week, not two weeks away. But luckily, after the correct funeral, I was also able to retrieve my belt from the crematorium's office. <laughs> I explained Good. rather shamefacedly I was collecting it, collecting it for a friend. I don't think they believe me. I'm sure they were laughing and pointing at me <laughs> as I left. Yours in utter disgrace. Uh, it's from Trisha. Tonight's story from Trisha will sharp there on the faders. <laughs> You're not, you're not at the World Service now. Okay, so let's let's see the people's verdict. Sister Susie, producing the program from the pub. What do you what do you well, think? Well, it was just a, a number of errors, one after each other, isn't it? Who has that much bad luck that not only do you get lost, you arrive late, you get picked on, you're at the wrong funeral, then your belt gets stuck when you try to yes, leave. Trying to escape. It's just I can't. This is, you're forgiven, Trisha, for me because you went through all of that. I think it's fair enough. Okay, Brother Matthew, now. I mean, is this now a thing where they come down the centre aisle and ask for everyone to give <laughs> I mean, let's I hope don't, not. I don't. I've never been to a funeral where that's happened. Uh, I, it's, you know, it's a funeral, not the price is right. Come on. Yeah, uh, I mean, that I, has to be the uh, not a good... Uh, uh, idea. From it's not a good idea at, at all. If you're right, any time. Uh, definitely not. Um, I mean, it seems a bit of an extreme reaction, uh, Trisha, if I may say, to jump over the pew <laughs> and uh, and rip off your belt. But uh, but you know who who Just amongst say she us? She was such a lovely lady. Yes, she was a lovely fun. lady. Loved life. Um, so I am going to forgive because <laughs> you know we'd have all done the same apart from the leaping over the pew. But it's well within your rights, Trisha, to leap over the pew. So that's fine. Simon Mayo's confessions. We won't tell anyone. What? Oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, we will tell everyone. From our crypt, that was Trisha's confession. I would say, drop kick me Jesus through the goalpost of life is a country and western song. It is, which is yeah. I didn't yeah, just yeah. make that up. No. It is actually the name <laughs> of the song. And how nice to hear Susie yeah. uh, from the pub, who we may well be hearing a lot more from this year. He's mm-hmm. hoping. Send your request for a classic confession to confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk. Include as much detail as you remember, like where you were when you heard it. <laughs> yeah. The reason <laughs> for the, the train no. being late. Why was the train late? Yeah. <laughs> Everything you can do to make Holly's life easier, basically. Before we end the service this week, Matt's homework was to come up with the secret code phrase for this week's podcast. So, Matt, having thought about it for a all of five seconds, what have you come up with? I mean, could we go with knackers? That's OK. You got your t- timeline full of people tweeting you knackers. That's all right, isn't it? Let's say knackers. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the phrase. Well, it's a word. Uh, I don't want soul knackers, do I? So, no. no. Obviously. <laughs> so <laughs> what no, have you started? <laughs> if you've listened this far, you can tweet me. You can also thread me. Oh, really? On, yeah, on threads, I'm Mr. Simon Mayer, and on, and on Twitter, I'm just Simon Mayer. Okay, okay. I think those kind of things. Yeah. I'm also on Blue Sky, but Blue I Sky, no yeah. one's on that. Can I, so, <laughs> can I quickly remind you to follow and like and subscribe and keep telling your friends that the Simon Mayer Confessions podcast is back. Finally, if you have a confession, we would love to hear it. Send your confession to confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk. Until next time, Sister Holly says... See you later, folks. That was folksy. I like that. It was. And Brother Matt says... Bye-bye. Okay. That's all you're getting. Uh, And I'm Simon. Thank you very much indeed for listening. See you next week. Simon Mayo's Confessions. Want to confess? Simon Mayo would love to hear your story. He may even keep it to himself. He definitely won't keep it to himself. Send gory details, please, to confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk.